What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup. I'm, of course, your host, Ryan Satin. And where do I begin here? Where do I begin? Uh, I think with the podcasting medium, I've always felt like it's best to be as honest as possible with your audience. So I'm just going to be a little honest up front. Uh, yeah, bad few weeks that I've had in my life. Uh, if you guys follow me on social media, which I'm sure most of you listening to this do, you probably saw that my dad passed away this month and it's been pretty difficult. Um, you know, my dad got me into pro wrestling way back when as a kid. And it's something that has been a constant in our lives for about 36 years now, since that's how old I am. Uh, you know, it goes back to us <clears throat> wrestling in his apartment when he was just a single dad and him tossing me off his back during a wrestling match in the house. I know you're not supposed to try this at home. And this is why, because uh, he busted my head open when he threw me off his back when we were wrestling in a tiny little apartment and I'm like three years old. Um, but I, you know, I owe a lot of my wrestling fandom to my dad. And so beyond just being absolutely gutted over the fact that my dad is no longer with us, you know, from a professional standpoint, uh, you know, I've made a living out of covering the thing that was so special, something that was so important to me, to my brother, to my dad. It was something that we, it was like one of the, I think it was the only thing that the three of us could all enjoy together. And we would all, no matter what happened, have a common bond in watching it. And so, you know, in coming back to work, thinking about the fact that, you know, I already lost my brother almost 10 years ago. And it's, it's, it sucked not having him to talk about wrestling with. Um, to now not have my dad to talk about wrestling with has been pretty... It's been a, it's been a difficult pill to swallow. Uh, you know... <laughs> My dad listens to all the podcasts I do. He watches all the interviews I do. He has notes on them. He <laughs> tells me who he thought was interesting. If it was my fault, they weren't interesting. Uh, if it was their fault, if he didn't think they were interesting. Uh, and he gave me a lot of pointers along the way. It's going to be weird not having that anymore. Um, but I'll, I'll obviously always have you know that voice in the back of my head when I'm working on stuff now it's just going to be weird to not you know have it in real life but you know he did have a rare neurological disorder called PSP which is a lot like Parkinson's which is what it was initially diagnosed as but it's actually a lot worse progresses faster um and so um, he, he struggled, you know, he, he, he was, he was not, uh, very comfortable anymore. It was eating away at him, but through it all, my dad fought the whole time. He even continued to somehow work the whole time he was working 
up until a few weeks before his passing. I visited him in the hospital when everything started to kind of get worse. And he told me he needed me there. And then I got there and he was watching one of the tapings of his shows to give notes on it. So um, my dad was a fighter and I'm going to miss him a lot. I appreciate all of you. Um, not only being understanding of the fact that I wasn't putting out these podcasts anymore and telling me to take all the time I needed, but just be just from the sheer amount of support I received uh, while grieving and, and dealing with all this, you know, I hate that I have something to compare it to, but when my brother passed, you know, those little kind messages from everybody really were the only thing that kind of helped me get through it at first, as silly as that may sound it was just nice to hear people say you know they've been in your place been in the same place as you and you're gonna get through it and 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 while you never get over it or get past it you do learn to live with it and so I know anyone who's dealt with loss can can understand that so you know this is me trying to live in this new normal and get back to the podcast but once again you know while everything was going on with my dad and you know me being in a rough emotional state the message from all of you guys who listen who've tweeted me who sent me a dm commented on anything um who've not been annoyed by me sharing all this stuff about my dad on social media to help myself grieve uh, I really am thankful for all of you. Uh, it helped. So thank you. Now, okay, let's stop with this mushy stuff. Let's stop with sadness. Let's get to Monday Night Raw. I am very excited to talk about wrestling again. It's been a few weeks. I did my best to keep up while dealing with stuff. I did watch Elimination Chamber. It was fun watching that with my mom, who hadn't watched wrestling since the Attitude Era. I... uh I did my best to stay up to date as much as possible while also helping my family. So it felt nice to watch an episode of Raw from beginning to end on my own, knowing I'm going to record one of these for you guys. So let's just dive right into the top of the show. The show began with Jimmy Uso out first with Solo Sokoa. Jimmy addresses the end of SmackDown last week and says that families fight. It's just what they do sometimes. They then throw out an open challenge, which is immediately answered by the Street Profits. And after a back and forth on the mic, a match kicks off. So then we get Street Profits versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. It's funny, (laughs) you know, since Solo looks so much like his brothers, it's funny how he kind of just looked like he was like Jey Uso bulked up a little bit and <laughs> bleached his hair. He fit right in as the third Uso, even though he's a Sokoa, which I'm not really sure how that works, uh, but that is what happened here. We got Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa teaming up, and you can tell by watching this match that Montez Ford is really being heated up for a singles push soon. He was just a human highlight reel after getting a hot tag, and commentary also highlighted his star-making performance at Elimination Chamber. I think that, you know, it's not that I want to see Street Profits break up. I actually don't. But I think that you can give them a singles push individually without breaking up the team and still make them a unit. It's no different than a faction or a stable or New Day sometimes going out on their own. 
And I think that Montez Ford has that momentum right now. I'm not sure what the plan is for Street Profits at WrestleMania, but I do think that starting at the Raw after WrestleMania, I think the Montez Ford United States title push needs to begin because this man is just bursting with star energy. The guy is bouncing all over the place, doing moves here and there, moonsaulting, doing punches, but, you know, He's got the crowd in the palm of his hand when he's out there. It's one of those things where the only way you can describe it is electricity. And I don't know, I don't want to compare him to The Rock because he's his own man, he's his own person. But obviously, you know, I know from interviewing him how much The Rock inspired him. And the more I see this growth of Montez Ford lately, the more I see that Rock inspiration within him because he connects with the audience the audience is firmly behind him when he's in the ring and i'm looking forward to seeing him get a singles push the finish now the finish here saw dawkins get tagged in for a dual blockbuster montez got pushed off the top rope and angelo got hit with a samoan spike to give the bloodline a win after the match solo grabbed a chair to go after montez in the corner but Kevin Owens appeared from out of nowhere to make the save by hitting Solo with a super kick and then Jimmy with a stunner before bailing to the back. I dug this. Uh, I thought this was a good way to open up the show. Um, I think that with this being WrestleMania season, there's no issue in you know different wrestlers going back and forth between different shows. I think you want to have the biggest potential matchups at mania you want to have the best shows on the road to wrestlemania so even if i've said something about it before but maybe the usos going back and forth a little too much they are the tag team champions they are legally allowed to be there or excuse me no yeah yeah the, the, yeah duh, i was gonna stop myself for a second yes but they are the undisputed tag team champions both brands they have both sets of tag titles just for a second, check myself. I was like, did I miss something while I was gone? No, I did not. Uh, both sets of tag team titles. They're, they're allowed to be there, so it made sense. And I think that, furthermore, this episode appeared to be designed to showcase a lot of the people who are going to be in WrestleMania matches. And I think that showcasing Jimmy Uso here, Sans, Jay Uso... Uh, made sense to do that, especially since Sami Zayn bloodline storyline is without question the storyline that has everybody the most engaged right now. After the break, Brock Lesnar appeared to address Amos, challenging him to a match at WrestleMania. MVP then comes out confused as to why Brock started the MV MVP lounge before he could do so himself. Brock Brock apologized for being a little early and said he had no beef with MVP. He's just all about business. So he's at the show to listen to MVP sell him on why he should accept Amos's WrestleMania challenge. So Brock agrees not to suplex MVP in order for this to happen. That allows MVP to get in the ring and begin to sell Brock on the idea of wrestling Amos at WrestleMania, saying he couldn't even handle Lashley. So it's preposterous to think he could have his way with a giant, hyped-up Brock compliment. Compliment. Bleh, you haven't podcasted in three weeks. 
Uh, hyped up Brock Lesnar compliments MVP for his sell and says he accepts the challenge so much so that they should shake on it and have a drink. So Brock pulls out a flask and says, here's to Brock versus Amos at WrestleMania and then takes a swig. MVP at first wants to drink champagne. He realizes that's a bad idea. So he takes the swig that Lesnar offered him, but he can't handle it. And he spits it out in Brock's face. Of course, this angers Lesnar. So he hits an F5 on MVP and then leaves. I enjoyed this segment. Okay, let me... (laughs) This seems to be the thing that everyone's talking about following Monday Night Raw. Uh, Also following last week's Raw, Amos and Brock Lesnar at MVP. It's the topic that people seem to be discussing. We're going to get into that. But first, I want to just judge this segment for what it was. Just, Just this segment. Because I felt like this was an effective segment. First, you had Brock in his best form, doing the whole cowboy stuff, being laid back, being laid back Brock that we all seem to enjoy now, doing his fun guy thing, his fun farm boy thing, always enjoying that. Uh, I really dig the change from the way he used to be and how he's just kind of like this happy-go-lucky, terrifying individual. Furthermore, you had MVP selling everyone on the idea of Amos versus Brock Lesnar. Now, it's been a criticized thing. Some people think it's a little beneath Brock Lesnar to be wrestling someone at WrestleMania who isn't necessarily at the same level as him career-wise, nor someone who has necessarily, you know, been someone who you know, has been deemed as a a guy who puts on bangers. He's a giant. He wrestles like a giant. Some people don't like this. Some people want the five-star matches. Some people were already fantasy booking him against Walter for the Intercontinental title. People were thinking up their own fantasy scenarios for Brock Lesnar. Here's why I don't think it's like a bad idea. And hear me out. Because I understand the criticism. I do understand the criticism I think people wanted Brock Lesnar to have a banger. I think people, you know, in this different era of of creative, people were maybe looking forward to seeing Brock Lesnar wrestle someone who, who maybe, I guess, someone who just has a, who's who's higher up the cards, someone who is uh, someone that the fans deem as a work rate guy, or or something along those lines. But I also think this. Brock Lesnar, you know, he did just lose. And it's not like he's just been, like, winning everything over the past, you know, year or whatever. So giving him a showcase match where he has that cool image of lifting up Amos and hitting him with the F5 isn't, terrible it actually would be one of those things where it could be a wrestlemania moment seeing someone pick up um see brock lesnar pick up a man of that size will definitely be entertaining it's not like this is going to be some long drawn out match i think it's going to be two big dudes beating the hell out of each other until brock lesnar finally puts a moss down and furthermore on top of that that's gotta be where we get some hurt business action 
there's no way that Triple H has been teasing all these little hurt business things in the background of Raw, having MVP and Lashley interact again, having him be a manager for Shelton and Cedric. I just don't know why they would be putting all these pieces in place and not having pulled and and not and since they didn't pull the trigger during the feud between Lashley and Brock I kind of wonder if I kind of wonder if after Brock Lesnar beats Amos if that's when we get the return of the hurt business in some way shape or form and then Brock Lesnar and Lashley can pick up on their feud again maybe that would make sense to me that seems to make the most sense a WrestleMania moment of of Brock Lesnar f five in a Moss, and then follow it with a WrestleMania moment of the Hurt Business reunited to take on Brock. That'd be a pretty cool moment. That'd be pretty sick. I would be into that. So I don't want to be too negative towards the idea of a Moss versus Brock Lesnar because I've stood next to a Moss. He is a sight to behold. He is a guy who, when you stand next to him. A chill runs down your back, even while he's smiling, being the nicest person, because he's just so massive. And the idea of Brock Lesnar having to pick that man up is something I would like to see. When you're watching pro wrestling, sometimes you want to see some crazy feats of strength. Brock Lesnar picking up Omos and hitting him with that F5. That's going to be cool when it happens. So... I don't know. I don't I don't I don't dislike this as much as everyone else. Yes, I think it's random. I think it's very random because we still kind of don't really have resolution in the Bobby Lashley story. But that's why I think this is all part of the same story. We just got to get there. We got a few more weeks, so let's let's see what happens. Next, we had Lita and Becky Lynch being interviewed about their tag title match. And they guarantee victory later in the night. We'll get to that. We're, we're going to get to that. I got a lot. To, I got a lot to say about that. Uh, next, we had Cody Rhodes versus Chad Gable. There was one awesome spot here where Gable re- reversed the disaster kick into a German suplex. It looked sick. You know, I didn't write down a ton of spots in this match though, because what I liked more than anything was the story they were telling. You know, from commentary hyping up that Gable wanted to derail Cody's WrestleMania momentum to the in-ring action. Nothing about this match felt like a throwaway win for Cody because it easily could have come across that way. Just a little tiny little, you know, quick uh, you know, quick squash win over Chad Gable to show he's ready for Roman Reigns. But I quite like the fact that that wasn't what they did. It was a competitive match. These two guys were chain wrestling. They were really working body parts. They were doing classic pro wrestling. Now, I know when we get Cody Rhodes in a match, that's what we typically get, that old-school pro wrestler match. I love it. But Chad Gable is someone who is so versatile with his styles that I love how he can just switch to whoever he's wrestling against. And that he can just switch to having an old school pro wrestling match here as well. Just turn it on and tell that story. Make himself look strong in the process. But really 
paying into what was the important thing here, and that's making Cody look good on the roads to WrestleMania. Cody eventually hit the crossroads to finish this one off and get the win. After the match, he got on the mic and addressed the fact that he is yet to stand in the ring with Roman Reigns. But this Friday, Roman is scheduled to be on SmackDown, so he'll be there too. Finally, I can't wait for the moment when Roman Reigns and Cody stand face-to-face and battle on the microphone this Friday. I'm hyped for it. I'm really happy this didn't happen while I wasn't watching uh, right, you know, wasn't watching live. That's what I'll say. That's better. That's the best way of wording it. Well, I wasn't watching live because I was still watching everything and checking my phone on social media and such. But this is going to be hype. This is going to be, oh, this is going to be good. I'm like, I'm like, uh, can you hear me? Can you hear that in the mic? That's me rubbing my hands together. <laughs> I'm pumped for it, guys. I'm pumped for it because I think that these two guys are both generational talents. They've both grown up in the pro wrestling business. These two guys are both classic pro wrestlers in every sense of the word. And they've got Paul Heyman right there in the mix helping to guide this a little bit. I mean, come on. Come on. On the 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 brain the wrestling brain power being put into this, oh, I'm like salivating at the idea of these guys finally, finally going face to face and talking mad crap to each other because that's the moment, man. Like Cody even said it, you know, for a long time he didn't even utter Roman Reigns' name because he wanted to wait until it was official. Roman has also been tied up in all this Sammy stuff. So he hasn't really gotten to address Cody yet either. But Roman can be a savage on the mic. And so can Cody. So I think that we're going to see some real fireworks on SmackDown this week. I'm hyped for it. I'm hyped for it. That and Liv Morgan versus Rhea Ripley. It's going to be a good show this Friday night on SmackDown. Next, we had Baron Corbin being interviewed by Byron Saxton. Corbin says he's aware that things haven't been going his way lately, but then Byron cuts the interview short to get a word with Kevin Owens. Owens says the bloodline are suffering from the consequences of their own actions and that he's not going to stop until they fall, but also he doesn't need any help in doing that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Sammy Zayn. Not a lot more from this story after that, but one thing like I just noticed in watching this was how sad Corbin was when the interview got cut short, and it made me wonder, since it feels like they're moving away from the JBL stuff, they're giving they're, they're going to try again with Corbin on, on something else. I think when you look at everything Corbin has done the past couple of years, without question, the most successful thing he did was becoming broke. As a, as a character, the bum-ass Corbin thing connected with the audience. And even though it was only meant for a short period of time, it's so memorable. People remember it. And seeing how sad he got in this, it made me wonder if they're shifting from whatever they were going to try with JBL. They're shifting into a new form of sad Baron Corbin. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. I also see a lot of people saying... They think it's going to maybe lead to him returning as the lone wolf. Also, not a terrible idea. 
getting some of that edge back. But I just, a piece of me thinks that he could fill part of that comedy role without losing too much of his credibility and also being massively over again like he was the last time that he did the whole broke thing. All right, one last segment before the break. Uh, Judgment Day cut a promo and Dom talked trash about Ray some more. Also said that Rio is going to be on SmackDown this week for a match against Liv Morgan and that he hopes to see Ray there again. Rhea then explains that she didn't say anything to Charlotte on SmackDown last week because she knows Flair is shook. And she also knows that Flair has already accepted in her mind that Rhea is going to beat her at WrestleMania. Lastly, Finn Balor addresses Edge saying this isn't this wasn't over between them at Elimination Chamber and then challenges Edge to one final match between the two of them at WrestleMania. Not much to decipher on the Dom and Rhea front, but I did like the confidence from Ripley as she talked about how Charlotte Flair has already accepted that she's going to lose at WrestleMania. That was pretty baller. It made her look confident as hell. Not someone who is trying to overcome the top of the mountain, but someone who is trying to firmly plant her place atop it. I like that. Lastly, and then on this Finn Balor versus Edge thing, I had a feeling that's where this was going after it didn't end at Elimination Chamber. I'm not sure how I feel about this one. On one hand, I'm not gonna. Be, I don't want to be mad. I don't want to complain about long-term storytelling because for so long, we all begged for it. We all said, oh, we, I wish they wouldn't get off of these stories so fast and they'd stick around on one and really like let these long, drawn-out things be told. And when you're looking at the story of the Judgment Day, it does warrant the long-term factor. Um, you know, Edge started the group trying to turn heel and it's had a lot of twists and turns since then so to finish off that story at wrestlemania i can't be too mad about it however i do kind of feel like it's run its course a little bit i did think that for the story and what they were trying to tell um edge winning in the end here was kind of what what you thought would happen since you know he's the baby face he's the legend um, Hall of Famer, nearing the end of his career, winning the match alongside his wife. I kind of felt like that was a good cap to this story. So in order to keep me engaged, you know, in the next few weeks to WrestleMania, uh, it's going to take a little bit of extra work for me personally. It's going to take a little bit of extra oomph to get me back into being invested in this story because I thought... I'd closed the book a little bit. I thought I was done with this one, and 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 now we're we're right back in it. That being said, I do believe that Edge and Finn Balor will wrestle an absolute bona fide banger at WrestleMania against each other. And if Edge wants to put Finn Balor over at WrestleMania, then that is huge for Finn Balor, a guy who grew up watching the Attitude Era. So I really don't want to complain about it. My nitpick would just be that they got to figure out a way to heat this up a little bit more in order to make it feel WrestleMania worthy, or at least to be as important as some of these other matches on the card. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break, and then I'll be back with my thoughts 
on the rest of this week's Monday Night Raw. All right, we're going to get back to this part of the show later, but we had a quick segment where, uh, showing the maximum male models, asking Otis if he's thought about their offer, and, he, and, and said if he wrestles tonight, they'll be in his corner. So Otis shoots off to meet with Adam Pierce and get a match later in the night. Asuka versus Carmella takes place after this. This was another one of those showcase matches I was talking about. For someone challenging for a title at WrestleMania, but it also, at the same time, did a good job in reestablishing Carmella. She's been back. She's, she's, this is, obviously wasn't her first match back. However, it was still a competitive match. It's not like Asuka just squashed Carmella. They made it clear that Car- Carmella had beaten her in the past. And they really did treat Carmella as a serious competitor in this match. Even if you know she has her heel tendencies, it didn't feel... Like it was a mismatch. It felt like it felt like Carmella belonged in there with Asuka, which is good because you know she's been away for a while. When you're away for a while, you can lose your place in the pecking order. But a match like this can really reestablish what someone can do, even in a short amount of time. Obviously, when you have a short amount of time and you're able to maximize it with entertaining in-ring content, in my opinion, that's when the real talent shows. So I like this. There was no complaints here. The finish saw Asuka reverse the cone of silence into that reverse armbar submission she's been using for the win. After the match, Asuka called Bianca out, and Belair quickly answered the challenge. But while Belair tried to figure out where Asuka stands, Carmella attacked Asuka from behind, throwing her into Bianca. So we still... Don't really have a firm idea what the situation and the relationship is like between Asuka and Bianca Belair. We don't know if if this new uh, this new iteration of Asuka is evil, but she does seem intense. But I think before WrestleMania, we're going to see there's some evil tendencies inside of there as well. But really, like I said, I thought it was cool how they... They worked on building up one of the WrestleMania matches, even slightly, while also giving something to the other person in the ring in Carmella. Piper Niven versus Candice LeRae took place after this. Nikki Cross followed Candice to the ring and stood in her corner for the match. I Just while I was watching this, I couldn't help but think to myself how Piper is such a force and how this name change has really seemed to give her some of that confidence back. It's not like she didn't seem confident in what she was doing before, but I think now more than ever, she looks like she has something to prove with the character of Piper Niven. And I watched this thinking to myself, like, this should be a future women's world champion. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not at WrestleMania, maybe not, you know, in six months from now, but with the right push with the right momentum with the right dedication to her character i just think she could be such a dominant force in the women's division for years to come she to me when i watch her in the ring it's just it looks like someone you wouldn't want to get into a fight with even knowing how nice of a person she is outside of the ring when she turns it on when she is ready to go 
She is one of those people who I can't take my eyes off in the ring. It's just it's just one of those things. I don't know what it is. It's just she has it. Uh, she has that it factor. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see her getting a little bit more of a push, getting a little bit more TV time. And I do believe that with a little more dedication to getting her over in a year's time, I would love to see her challenging for the title at some point. I, I think it's not out of the question. I mean, save for Candice LeRae. I don't think Candice LeRae needs a year. I think Candice LeRae is already at that point. But, you know, Triple H gets, you know, a lot of praise. He gets a lot of criticism for what he's done as head of creative. It's hard to have a position like that and please everybody. But one thing you can say that he has done, and if you tell me he hasn't, I'm going to tell you you're an idiot. It's that he has strengthened the women's divisions. He has strengthened those women's divisions. Yeah, I've seen Ronda Rousey tweeting about how there's not enough uh, time for the women on TV and such. But I'm telling you, dude, if you guys go look back at the way those divisions looked prior to him taking over his head of creative and the way they look now, it is night and day. And I really like the dedication that he's put into strengthening the women's division across all shows. Um, Nikki got too close to Piper at one point in this match. So Piper tossed her into the barricade. But when she got back in the ring, Candice rolled her up for the win. Still no no actual friendship forming between Candice and Nikki. Still intrigued as to where that is going. I don't know if I think it's going to play into something that happens at WrestleMania. I actually think it's going to play into something that happens on the Raw after Mania. I feel like I just I had this hunch. I have this hunch that her former faction is going to be making an appearance. And it would make a lot of sense for them to return on the Raw after WrestleMania. That's a good prediction. I'm going to mark that one down. I'm going to try and remember that. So when it happens, I'm going to do the told you so. I told you all. <laughs> Next, uh, speaking of Candice, we got Mr. Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, who confirmed He'd be wrestling Otis soon after Otis went looking for that match. And he gladly accepted after losing to the guy a few months back. Judgment Day interrupt the interview and Priest almost fights Gargano. Balor stops him from doing so and then challenges Johnny to a match next week on Raw. After that, we got a Miz TV segment. And Miz kicked things off by praising his wife, Maurice, and the gift that she gave him. He, thinks, he then says he's going to bring out his guest, who he says is going to be the host of WrestleMania himself. Uh, uh, oh, excuse me. I, I worded that all wrong. Let me try that again. Uh, he then says he's going to bring out his guest, who will be the host of WrestleMania, but his guest is just himself. The Miz is the host of WrestleMania this year. He begins to hype the card, but then he gets interrupted by Seth Rollins, who says he isn't trying to rain on Miz's parade lately, but Miz has been a bit of a jerk. Rollins explains uh, that he's been trying to get a hold of Logan Paul too, but it's been difficult, so he asks Miz if Miz could give him a FaceTime call on his behalf, but Miz denies the request and calls Rollins a goofball in a stupid jacket. This, of course, pisses Seth off, so he takes him out, and then takes the phone from Miz 
so that he can make the call himself. Logan accepts the FaceTime, thinking it's Miz, but then he realizes it's actually Seth Rollins. Seth rubs in the fact that Jake Paul lost his boxing fight last night and then challenges Logan to show up on Raw next week since he's been running his mouth. Logan accepts and dares Seth to keep talking like this when he sees him in person. An excited Rollins says, bye-bye, bitch, then hits hits the stomp on Miz before celebrating his way to the back. Loved this. Loved this. This was fantastic. You know, I think that I tend to judge segments that are like a talk show much more heavily because it's such an easy crutch to lean on. And it's a crutch they lean on too much, in my opinion. And it makes, when there's too much of them or when there's, I don't know, the the the, the, the excitement of them wears off to some degree, um, it's hard for me to get invested in those segments. The talk shows, I just they can be so hit or miss to me. More often, talk show segments are missed to me. But this one was fantastic. This was a nice change of pace for how they normally are. The FaceTime call felt fresh. It felt current. It felt like what people would actually do. Sometimes in other in other times when I've watched the show. I, I would sometimes say to myself, well, that's weird. No one would actually do that in real life. No one would, would do that. Um, but a FaceTime call, as simple as it may be, a FaceTime call from within the ring to someone like Logan Paul and having a back and forth with the technology like that, it just it came across as current. It came across as something that people would actually do a scenario that felt authentic. And when it's authentic, you can buy into it. You can believe it. It made me believe all of this. I, I know that this was set up. Trust me. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I've been involved in the entertainment industry for pretty much my entire life. So when I saw the shot of Seth Rollins looking at his phone, well, excuse me, when you saw the hand holding the phone, and the video of Logan Paul responding back. It was very clear that that was not being done live. But I was able to buy into all of this. I was into what was happening. I was into the trash talk. They've sold me on the build via social media. I'm already sold on the fact that we're getting Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania. So now you just got to hook me emotionally in the story. And Logan, you know kind of being a bitch and not necessarily, you know, doing things to Seth's face also plays into the fact that a lot of people consider Logan Paul to be a heel, not a face. And that he'd play better in a wrestling setting as a heel. I'm feeling that more in this feud with Seth Rollins so far in this short amount of time than I did in the other stuff that he's done in WWE. Because mainly... There's no planet where the WWE loyal audience is going to be cheering for Logan Paul over Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is a mainstay. Seth Rollins is a guy we watch every week, a guy who is one of the biggest parts of this generation of performers. You hear them singing his song every week. So yeah, I I really I really enjoyed all this, and I really do think that it's playing to everyone's strengths, and that's what you want. 
you want to see everyone's strengths being played to. And that's what this did. You got to see Miz doing his, you know, making his announcement about himself, how important he is. Then you can see, you know, his his weaselly attitude when he won't help Seth with the call. You get to see Seth in his furry jacket and furry glasses just just in all his glory for what he's doing right now just playing it up to the max you got to see logan paul talking a little bit of trash making it seem like he doesn't even want to come to the show because he's got to be on facetime these were all just these little subtle things that really made this segment work for me and it's one of those matches that i'm really looking forward to at wrestlemania already and that's without them even really having the face-to-face encounter that I'm looking for that we're going to get next week. So I'm excited about that. Next week's Raw sounds like it's going to be dope. We got John Cena. We got that. We got a lot of stuff happening. I'm pumped for it. Damage Control hyped their upcoming tag match after that. And then Austin Theory stepped in to complain about how people are talking about John Cena coming back to Raw instead of him. He then vows to look Cena in the face next week and give him all the respect he deserves. The only thing he asks for in return is the same treatment. Do you think that next week, do you think that Cena actually responds to him this time? Because last time, he just walked out of the room. He didn't even say anything back to Austin Theory. But are we going to get that heater promo from Cena to theory this time i'm looking forward to it if we do but i could also see him turning around and just not addressing him still it might be something that they work towards i did a podcast called the, the public enemies podcast and i talked about how i could even see that even if they're making it look like we're maybe gonna get cena versus theory at wrestlemania holding off on it even longer making us wait for it just a little more really making theory earn that match i could see that i also could see and i told them this on the public enemies podcast like i got this like weird i don't know i got this like weird thing i want to see and maybe i'm crazy for this i kind of want to see edge beat no what am i talking about no edge just got challenged with finn balor my prediction that i made in that podcast is totally wrong because we're getting balor versus edge but i want to see edge versus john cena at some point too we gotta get that match man we gotta get that match one more time and this is coming from someone who would not have said that back when they were wrestling each other to ad nauseum next bobby lashley versus elias lashley won this one in dominant fashion with the hurt lock after the match he got on the mic and said he's not happy about the fact that he dominated Brock Lesnar, who resorted to a low blow to get out of their match. And then after proving his dominance, he gets Bray Wyatt playing little kid games with him. So then Bobby warns Bray to keep his name out of his mouth. But as he's walking to the back, Lashley gets interrupted by a video of Wyatt doing a new version of the Muscle Man Dance video. And then Bobby walked to the back looking pissed off after this. Okay. What do I think about this? So, I... Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, so, I 
I've seen the complaints online about people talking about how utterly random this pairing seems to be for a WrestleMania match. Similar to the complaints about Brock Lesnar and Amos. And I do get those complaints. One, not only that, but they're on different shows. <laughs> Excuse me, wait. Laugh my own joke so hard I need to take a swig of water. Excuse me. But they're on different shows. And there's just like no connection that I can picture between them. So I do understand the complaints of this just being just incredibly random. I'm trying to think of how I want to follow that up. <laughs> What's my poignant follow-up to that? I don't necessarily have one. I do think this is random. But I also thought LA Knight versus Bray Wyatt was super random. And LA Knight really changed my opinion throughout that entire program. So maybe there's something I'm not seeing with Lashley and Bray Wyatt. I just like, I don't know. Lashley doesn't strike me. I don't know why I keep yawning. I got plenty of rest. <laughs> Lashley doesn't strike me as someone who's going to shine in a supernatural storyline. He's he's a former MMA fighter. He's this, this tough, kick-ass, dominant, mighty performer. And I just don't know how well I think he'll do in a story that involves all of this spookiness and craziness and going down the rabbit hole. I just worry that it's not where his strength will lie. So I guess I'm, I'm a little hesitant heading into this one for a WrestleMania match. I personally think something like Bray Wyatt and Karrion Cross would have made a hundred times Excuse me. Something like a Bray Wyatt and Karen Cross would have had so much more potential. They're both guys who deal in the supernatural elements. Bray Wyatt is kind of a tweener. Karen Cross is much more of a heel. I think that that would help too because Lashley does seem to get face reactions. So I just it 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 does seem like an odd pairing. I think there are better things that could have been done for both of them heading into Mania. That being said, though, Triple H does seem to be handling... Triple H does seem to be steering the ship well. And a lot of times when I have criticisms, by the time it's all played out, I do say to myself, okay, that made sense now on some of these things. So I do have faith that maybe there's something there that I'm not seeing. But when I do look at it on the surface, I do think that it seems to be an odd pairing for a WrestleMania match when you want to have all the most mark when you want to have just as, as many of the most marquee matches as possible. That one doesn't strike me as a, a winning pairing just on paper. So we'll see. We'll see. Back in Adam Pierce's office, Chelsea Green was complaining again. Then Cam Carmella comes in. And gets a match against Bianca next week. Chelsea and Carmella then seem to make friends after this. 
as the segment fades out. Then we get Otis with Maximum Male Models versus Johnny Gargano. At one point, excuse me, did I say Otis? It's Otis, I believe, when he's with Maximum Male Models. So at one point, Otis caught Gargano outside of the ring and then slammed him into the table to impress Maxine. Masse tried to get involved in the match, but then Dexter popped up in the crowd and choked him out. Gargano eventually hit a DDT on the apron before hitting the one final beat DDT in the ring for the win over Otis. After the match, Maxine looked unhappy as Johnny celebrated with Dexter. I'm not going to dig into this one too yet because I'm waiting to see what happens, but more screen time for Maximum Male Models is a win in my book. More interactions with Otis and Maxine is a win in my book. Johnny Gargano getting a win over someone who beat him after he returned. A win in my book. So I can't complain about this too heavily. I'm sure there are people watching who do or listening to this who do not enjoy the Maximum Male Models as much as I do. But I think they're fan-freaking-tastic. They are so funny to me. I laugh every time they're on screen. Their, their act just meshes so well together. I love it. It's one of those guilty pleasures of mine. Maximum Male models so really don't want to pick this one apart too much because it was just fun paul Heyman was then asked about cody saying he'll be on smackdown this week and Heyman said he's excited about cody invading the show and confronting or getting confronted by the tribal chief roman reigns already talked about that one so let's just get into this main event Becky Lynch and Lita versus Damage Control for the women's tag team titles. Bailey distracted the ref at one point and then pulled Lita off the apron so she couldn't make the tag in. Damage Control then hit a tandem move and Becky kicked out. But then, because of the interference from Bailey, the music of Trish Stratus hits and she ran out to even the odds. Take the fight to Bailey. Io then went for a moonsault on Lita, but Lita moved and hit the twist of fate. Lita went to the top rope, and Bailey tried to distract her, but Trish hit Bailey with the chick kick. Becky handled Dakota Kai, allowing Lita to hit the Lita salt and win the tag team titles for her team. New tag team champions, Becky Lynch and Lita. Okay, so what does this mean for Wrestlemania does this mean we might get Becky and Lita versus Ronda and Shayna I think for a long time the assumption was that we'd see a match between Becky and Ronda at Wrestlemania and Hollywood and while we didn't necessarily get it for a a singles title or just a singles match I'm very okay with the idea of Becky Lynch and Ronda once again facing off at WrestleMania, this time in a tag match. I'm not sure how it got to that or why it was determined that they wanted to make it a tag match, whatever. I do think that having those two on the marquee in a match against each other is clutch for this show. It's something that people have wanted to see. It's something that the people were, a lot of you were expecting to see. And lately, you've seen that Ronda Rousey has taken an interest 
in the women's tag team titles. Now, Becky Lynch wins them with a legend like Lita. I can't help but think that we're getting Becky Lynch and Lita versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna at WrestleMania. That would be sick. That would be dope. I would want to see that. I think that it's a match that on paper you you wouldn't have expected that to be how we got some action between Becky Lynch and Ronda at WrestleMania. But ultimately, I'd be super into it because one, we get Lita in the match as well. And Lita is a legend who deserves all the respect in the world. And also, it's a huge match for Shayna. It helps bring Shayna up a level. So I cannot, I cannot find any fault in that being a match for WrestleMania for the women's tag team titles. Very much has marquee value there. And I'm assuming before that, we get Becky and Lita and Trish versus Damage Control, which is going to be a dream come true for Bailey. And something that she deserves to have given to her after the work that she did for the women's tag, excuse me, for the women's division as a whole since returning. And I think that match could ultimately be the thing that splits up damage control, that fractures damage control ahead of WrestleMania. And then we get a triple threat match between damage control at WrestleMania. Bailey versus Dakota Kai versus EO Sky. I'm, I'm just struggling to figure out how damage control goes forward for much longer with the amount of losses that they've taken with, with you know, that coupled with the fact that Dakota and EO, the only ones that won gold in their team in their time teaming together, you'd think with the way Bailey's been bossing them around that eventually something's got to break there. And I can easily see a situation where this match leads to the final straw and damage control breaks up and we get a triple threat match at WrestleMania between them as the final cap on their story. And I think it would be a stellar way to end that story from when they came out, you know, they all were the first of the returns at SummerSlam. And now we get to WrestleMania. And even though things didn't work out for them as a faction, what we found out is that what we ultimately ended up getting out of this was an insane triple threat match between Bailey, Eosky, and Dakota Kai. That's where I think this is going. Mark that prediction down because when it happens, I'm going to brag about it again. I love doing that. All right, I'm done here. Um, I just went an hour. I, I was excited to talk about wrestling again, so I had a lot to say. Thank you guys so much again for the support these last few weeks. Like I said, it meant a lot to me. Almost makes me feel bad asking you guys to do something else for me. But uh, if you've listened to this much of the podcast and you've enjoyed it, if I've, if you've laughed with me, if you've appreciated any of my takes, if I've made you think, feel free to leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's where you can write out a review and make me sound like an expert. So uh, go do that if you feel compelled to do so. Uh, or if you're just on Spotify or one of those other ones, you can just 
click those stars. Give your boy a five-star review. I would appreciate it very much. And if you've listened this far and aren't subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel as well. I'll be back next week with a brand new out-of-character This week's going to be a best of since I was a little busy last week with personal stuff. I'm doing the SmackDown roundup, though. I'll be back with that one. But in the meantime, make sure that you go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown. It's where you can find Out of Character every Wednesday. Premieres there early in the morning. And then we're posting a bunch of clips throughout the rest of the week. So you can find that all in the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Go subscribe. Go hit that like button and and, and help us out. It would, pre, it would be very appreciated. Also, make sure you follow WWE on Fox on social media. At WWE on Fox. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're all across the board. So go follow us. <sighs> okay, I did it. We've gotten to the end here. Uh, it took a lot out of me. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do this, but I did it. So I'm glad you were here with me. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another WWE on Fox Raw Roundup.